0: What is up, everybody? This is Jim Mylock, and you're listening to Pot of Fame, the podcast where we break down the crews of former athletes and decide whether or not they should get a call to the hall. On today's podcast, we are doing a Pot of Fame book club episode. We have a great book for you today. Uh, the title is Trash Talk, the only book about destroying your rivals that isn't total garbage. Uh, this book is by Rafi Cohen who is going to be on the pod in just a second, discuss the book and Trash Talk with me. Uh, you know, Rafi's written for a number of publications, you know, GQ, The Ringer, The Wall Street Journal. Uh, this is his second book. And, you know, again, I did not, Trash Talk is a book. Didn't see that coming. And there's a ton of sports in here. It's It's what you would think and it's not, right? There's Gary Payne in here, Kobe Bryant, MJ, Larry, Muhammad Ali, Reggie Miller. There's a ton of stories. Some you've heard, some you haven't. Kevin Garnett. Um, so there's a lot of stories about trash talk, which you would think would be in a book like this. But then there's also like how to handle trash talk, how you know, the layers like Tim Duncan and John Stockton didn't respond to trash talk. And that was actually a great mechanism to throw the trash talkers off. Uh, how, you know, how to preserve intense situations, uh, a lot of emotional stress. And he, you know, Rafi talks to, to military experts, uh, military officers, psychologists, comedians. It's a sports book, but there's a whole lot more behind it. And it's almost like a, a sport slash psychology slash philosophy slash humor book. It covers a wide range of, 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 of areas, topics. Uh, really enjoyed the book. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation, Robbie. We 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 again we talk about the book. We talk about a few stories from the book, and then like I love to do, we build a trash talk Rushmore. We do a draft. Rafi has four people. I have four people, and I'm going to put it on Twitter of you know who won that draft. So that will be up uh, later today. So again, great pod today. Rafi was a great guest. With the quick facts out of the way, let's bring him on. All right. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast today.
1: Author Rafi Cohen. Rafi, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to come on and uh, you know, chop it up. Of course. So, you know, your, your writing, you know, has appeared in numerous
0: publications over the years. GQ, The Ringer, Wall Street Journal. You might have read him before, but today we're here to talk about his second book that came out just in December December 5th of last year titled trash talk the only book about destroying your rivals that isn't total garbage hell of a title hell of a cover um and Ravi you know I just finished it up last night as we were talking before we started recording here and and I love the book and and you know before I even got started I was super excited to dive into it one I just I knew the stories uh, we're, we're going to be hilarious in there. And, and, some, I would know some, I wouldn't And and you over delivered on that. I, I was laughing on the couch and also at times a little horrified by what I was reading on the couch, but, um, really enjoyed the books. You over delivered that. And then the second part of why I was super excited, you know, it's funny when I, when I was growing up as a kid, um, I played a lot of sports and I, I talked a lot of trash as a kid. But it was really weird because when I was a kid growing up, I was one of the shyest kids out there. I was so shy. But when I got on a, a basketball court or or any kind of competitive field, that was like my alter ego. And I I just, I talked all day. I, I loved it. Um, I was a little less like a, a KG, Reggie Miller, more of like a John Starks, where um, I let the emotions get the best of me sometimes. And it, it didn't always go my way, but big trash talker, And then as I grew up, Luckily, I'm going to say this is personal growth. You know, I stopped talking trash, but I got a lot more outgoing. So I almost flipped. And I think that's super interesting. And again, as I dove in this, I was like, man, like, maybe that's why, Like, because you go into some of the, like, the psychology of it. It's like, maybe that's why I was talking so much trash and whatever it may be. So your book kind of was like, I'm going to resonate with this book. I did a lot. I enjoyed it so much. We're going to have a great discussion today. The first question I have for you though, and this is, I ask all my authors that come on the pod, the same questions. It's kind of a boring question to start off, but let's ease you into it. This is a book about trash talk. I don't know if I've ever come across another book that fits this category. Ravi, how, how did we get here? What yeah. what led you to write this book?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's mean, sure, it's an obvious question, but I think it's a good question to ask uh, any author. So I appreciate you asking it. Um, and as far as I know, you're right. This is the first ever book about trash talk. And so as far as I'm concerned, that's as good of a reason as any for, uh, you know, for, you know, to write it. But, you know, what's, what's funny is that I don't know if everyone would agree with that. Because, you know, sometimes when I would tell people, you know, I'm um, I'm working on a book about trash talk while, while I was reporting it. Or if I, I tell someone now oh, I wrote a book about trash talk, the question I'll get is, why? <laughs> like, wh- why are you doing that? <laughs> That's like not something we need. Uh, but I make I believe that it's actually exactly what we need. Um, you know, I think there is something fundamental about trash talk to us as human beings. And, you know, it's nothing new, you know, although you wouldn't know that from like the sort of discourse around trash talk in the United States specifically, especially in the last, you know, 30 to 40 years. You would think about trash talk as being this kind of cultural, you know, phenomenon that just kind of popped up out of nowhere, especially from, you know, uh, like city playground basketball courts or out of out of hip hop sort of thing. But the truth is, is that we've been talking trash as humans for as long as we've been talking it goes back to the bible we can find it in the homeric poems there's greek invective poets you can find you know insult trash talk poet you know poet uh poetry battles in pre-islamic arabic courts and again you can trace this throughout time across cultures right like there's nothing exceptional about talking trash and i thought it was important to sort of you know you know, to to thread that connection, to sort of make that connection. Because I think when we exceptionalize trash talk, as we have, you know, we run the risk of stigmatizing it. We run the risk of racializing it. And we start to then use, um, you know, mechanisms of punishment or penalization, you know, through like technical fouls and sportsmanlike calls within the context of sports to, you know, things beyond like, you know, stigmas about behavior in general and who's who's viewed as sort of like polite and passionate and a leader and who, who's viewed as like you know rude and arrogant and you know loud. Um and 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 I think that's you know that not only do we do a disservice to ourselves because you know we're by not understanding how trash talk works on these kind of like deeper psychological, you know, linguistic sociological levels do you know do we actually lose the opportunity to become better or more strategic or more effective trash talkers ourselves but we also lose the opportunity to actually understand what's happening you know to understand what's really being said right like when is a threat not really a threat when is a joke not actually a joke <laughs> and and how do we respond in the appropriate way and the appropriate way could be you know, what does the performance situation demand and, and, you know, how can I make sure that I respond in the way that's right for my team, for my performance, or, you know, how do I respond, you know, in the appropriate way as defined by the kind of like society I want to live in, you know, the sort of, you know, the, the civic norms that I want to, uh, you know, to hold up or to reinforce. Uh, so again, I, I think, I also think, I, one other thing that I will say is why I write a book about trash talk is because, can I curse, Jim? Is that okay? Oh, I w- that was okay, something please. I was supposed to go
0: over in the beginning. You <laughs> can swear as much as you okay. want
1: and we're talking about trash talk, yeah. so I figured in, you're going to swear shit. Yeah, so Go for but, it, yeah. Because trash talk fucking rules, right? Like, everybody loves trash talk. Like it is, you know, it draws our attention. It brings us in, right? You see two guys yapping on the court. You want to know what they're saying to each other now. And and you're especially going to pay attention to whatever happens next, right? Like forget about what led up to it. You want to see that next confrontation, right? So it builds drama. It adds stakes. And, you know, you see this, you know, you see this, you know, within, within sports, but you also see it within you know, professional wrestling. You see it in sort of like mar- the marketing of, you know, a uh, uh, reality television, or you see it on, you know, talking head punditry shows, whether it's politics or sports or whatever. It's it's rivalry creation, and, and it it adds meaning to a confrontation that wouldn't otherwise exist. And I make this point in the book, but I actually think there's something existential about trash talk in that way, because like what is life, what is anything except what we make of it, the meaning that we give to it. And I think trash talk is sort of a, it's like a cheat code, it's a—it's an instant pot for that kind of meaning. And so where, you know, how we choose to endow, you know, our, our, the, 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 our social interactions, our competitive confrontations with meaning, I think is pretty cool. Uh, and so, yeah, so I thought it was worth taking trash talk seriously. <laughs> Yeah,
0: and, and you know, I think that explanation was perfect there, because like when I came into this book, or I came across, it and we started talking, like I just figured, you know maybe this is just a a book that is going to tell me a bunch of stories about trash talk and all that, and, and it does. Trust me, there's plenty of that, but it but it's so much more than that. And you not just cover sports, you cover military physical performance. Um, you go into comedians for a part of the book. Yeah. You you cover a wide Spectrum of stuff. And again, it's not just trash talk, but it's how to respond to trash talk, how to handle it. Again, as you said, what goes too far? Is there a line? So you you cover the whole realm of everything, not just, you know, these are the stories about Gary Payne, even though you had plenty of those, which made me think: like, I'm curious. This is a sports podcast. I have you on here. We're gonna talk a good amount about sports here, but don't know if I would classify this as strictly like a sports book I mean this could be a humor book a philosophy a psychology even like a business self-help type book how do you classify it and again I'm sure it's not there's no perfect place to put it but like yeah you're in a a bookstore where where do you want your book like what section do you want people to find your book in well I just want them to find it wherever it is
1: (laughs) (laughs) but um you know it's a it's a it's interesting because I mean, I think the book is classified as sports, and it's a conversation that I had with my editor going into it, sure. you know, as we we're thinking about, you know, like how to frame the book and, you know, like title and, 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 and like even just like what to use as a preface for the book. How are we teeing this thing up, sort of thing. And I think at heart it is a sports book just simply because, like, that's the arena, um, you know, that we're most familiar. At least in in terms of finding trash talk but that doesn't mean that it doesn't expand well beyond those borders right and that's i mean i i think this is you know this point isn't isn't you know unique to me but i think the idea that like we can't explore human nature we can't explore deeper universal truths about who we are as people through the lens of sports in the same way as we can through like art or through or business or politics is, is totally unfounded to the extent that it still might exist. And so I think, absolutely, I think this is a book about human behavior, more, you know, almost more so than anything. I think, you know, trash talk is a human behavioral phenomenon. Um, that isn't to say that you can't find, you know, trash talk like, in, you know, uh, parallels in the animal kingdom, uh, you know, also in the animal kingdom, but I'm saying, like, as humans, it is something that. Sort of, you know, you know, is across the board, across culture, sort of thing. Uh, it is human in that way, and I think, and I think that, you know, that you know, out of necessity, you have to go into all those areas, right? You have to, you know, you know, the way that trash talk works, you know, the the pathways by which it can actually affect performance, you know, that builds from sports and performance psychology. So you have to understand those foundational principles of of you know performance psychology and how you know, things in our brain and body affect performance to then understand the way that trash talk can actually, you know, factor in there. Uh, I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, you know I, did, I did spend time with the military. I went down to Fort Bragg, uh, you know, to learn about the SEER, which is the survival school, really intense survival school. Some people call it the torture school. Um, and then to Key West, where I got to spend time with the Special Forces Dive School, which is like in. in incredibly intense uh, training uh, that they go through down there to learn about the principles of stress inoculation and how you can actually build these things into training. And what does that then tell us about ideas of mental toughness and ideas of resilience and overcoming adversity and these kinds of things that are like, you know, these these are buzzwords, obviously, right? Like grit, Angela Duckworth, you know, like, if I could just put that on my cover, (laughs) like that would... To sell it. that's where I want the book to be, by the way. I want it to be inside of an Angela Duckworth book jacket. And <laughs> you just accidentally buy my book. Um but then you're right in in terms of you know comedy and where to draw the line. Absolutely. These are ideas that we grapple with, you know, across you know, every sector of society, right? And and I think that we can find the examples of that happening in sports, but I also also think it's important not to rope off sports not to say like well this is a phenomenon of sports and therefore let's deal with it only within this world when whereas the truth is trash talk in general and you know in sports is, is a reflection of a society writ large right what are the things that we're we're scared of what are the things that we have biased against those are the things that are going to manifest in the sort of language of trash talk that's where we're going to find where we where we sort of push up against things and say this is going too far or where we don't and of course you know these are sliding scales you know the things that we would say to one another without blinking in an eye even as recently as the you know early 2000s or 90s or 1980s are much different than they are today uh and i think it's important to then to see that those lessons or that th- those kinds of like proving grounds those kinds of you know battlefields i guess are just as important if not more important beyond the world of sports as they are in in the world of sports
0: so you interviewed a lot of people for the for this book. And you know, you interviewed Hall of Famers like Warren Sapp, Cheryl Miller, Gary Payne, but then also a number as we were just talking, right? Military officers, comedians, psychologists, sports psychologists, performance. Do you have a favorite interview from your research going into this book? And, and if so, why?
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, Gary Payton was the hardest interview. Cause like I literally had to chase him around the country to get him. Like he was Gary Payton was my white whale, like hundred percent, my white whale. Like I literally went to Las Vegas where the big three was happening just to try to talk to him. And I mean, I was also, I was also in, in Vegas for a UFC fight. So, you know, I tried to stack things when I could, it was uh, it was good fortune as much as anything, but I didn't get to talk to him. And then I, you know, you know, working with some guys behind the scenes in the Big Three, they're like, "Oh, Gary, I'll talk to you here." And then at the last minute, because this was during the time of, this is during the one of the summers of COVID. I forget if they actually moved the uh, the tournament because of COVID or because of you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of Mother Nature, or other sort of acts of God. But I found out like two days before the the the, the next the next city visit, uh, which was supposed to be in like Houston or Dallas or New Orleans or somewhere where Gary was supposed to tell, you know talk to me, that they actually moved the uh they moved that that venue to Milwaukee. And so now I had to like hustle from one city. Now I had to fly into Chicago where they were having their practices and then drive up, you know, to Milwaukee. So I was literally chasing him around the country and I did finally track him down. Uh and he was terrific. He even gave me his cell phone. Not that he responds to my texts anymore. Um you know definitely try you know tried to see if maybe we could become best friends, but turns out no. Um So he was I mean, he was really great just from sort of like a a got him perspective. But my favorite interview was probably a guy named Josh Gormley. He would tell you his name is Josh Dempsey. Um, That was his fighting name uh, as a boxer and as a wrestler. And the reason why is my favorite is just because like I love these stories of guys you've never heard of who've just, you know, have lived crazy lives, uh, you know, whose life is literally a movie. And he, he described it that way to me. So Josh Gormley Dempsey is basically the first person to ever really talk shit in mixed martial arts. Like, which is, when you think about it now, you're like, how is that possible? Like, everybody talks shit in UFC or Bellator, or, you know, in uh, in uh, PBL. Um, like, of course, every all combat sports are riddled with, with trash talk. But in the early days of MMA, it was really much more about the kind of like this idea, the ideas of respect, you know, that came from the individual martial arts. Uh, and but, but Josh Dempsey, he felt, who was he, formerly a boxer, he broke into MMA and was like, man, I want people to know my name. I want people to know that I'm here. So he started talking crazy shit. And he... And his life just went on a journey from that point, just basically was launched by Shit Talk, from becoming a uh, mixed martial artist to then becoming a professional wrestler to then having a career in Japan that at one point saw him performing in front of 50,000 people in the Fukuoka Dome, you know, against a like a literally a champion kickboxer in a kind of, I guess, suppose it was a mixed martial arts event in this, the kind of like earliest definition, just like boxer versus kickboxer. Um, and and he's, he had some trouble in his life. (laughs) You know, he like took things a little too far and, you know, you were talking about earlier how, like, when you stepped on the court as a kid, you kind of became someone different and, Josh Dempsey is definitely someone who sort of used trash talk as a way to kind of put on a mask of a kind, right? To sort of step into a persona, and maybe he lost himself in that persona, you know, along the way. Uh, I don't think that taking heavy drugs helped <laughs> uh, in terms of losing himself, but hit, but his, but like, but finding him, finding his story, which I, I mean no nobody's ever told his story before and I think it's a it's a it's a really wonderful story to tell not because it's like it's a perfect redemption story but because it's like a really it's just like a really human story like it's a guy who's struggled who's you know who, who's worked hard to try to make something good of himself um and has had a lot of uh chaos and trauma along the way but I but that but for me that was the one that I enjoyed the most
0: yeah, and that passage definitely stuck out um quite a bit uh, that story about him and everything he went through. I want to talk about another, because again, throughout this book, there was just you know, some players you focused on for a while, others were sprinkled in. But you had all these little tidbits. I was like jotting down taking notes. but i want i want to I want to focus on one because this one has stuck with me since I finished the book. When I read it, I stopped. I stopped what I was doing, and I, I, I turned to my wife, and I was like, "I have to read this to you. This is, <laughs> this is nuts." Like, and I almost, you know, I don't know if in today's day and age, Robbie, I'm just getting too sensitive, but I was like, "Is this in the book? Like, can you put this in the book?" So, for anyone that has the book, if you go and get it, it's on page eighty four, so you don't have to wait too long. But, um, you're given a little passage about former uh, NFL linebacker Brian Cox, who. It's not a nobody. He's a three-time pro bowler, uh, 51 and a half sacks. He played middle linebacker for my Chicago Bears um, in the mid-90s. He was my first middle linebacker I knew in Chicago. And if you're a Chicago Bears guy, you know we we have the lineage, right? Buck is single Terry Erlocker. He was just a guy, but still, I knew him as a kid. And anyway, in this part of the book, you're talking about people getting psyched up, kind of getting pumped up and what they would do and, and, and how they would get themselves pumped up. And I've heard stories in the past of like how players motivate themselves. And even in high school, there are some people, some really weird pregame stuff. But, but this passage stuck. On. I actually want to read word for word what we have written down on page 84 here. So this is Brian Cox getting pumped up. He'd imagine his wife being raped by a guy wearing the opposing team's jersey or his kids being kidnapped with a ransom note left on the team stationery, Or he'd walk through the locker room naked. Pretending he was about to step onto an auction block where he'd be sold into slavery. Fucking racist, he'd then scream at opposing white players. Um, I had never heard this type of, you know, getting riled up for a game before. This is the first time I've ever heard it. It stopped me in my tracks. I was surprised. Even reading it out loud right now, I'm like, whoa. Mm. My question to you, is: throughout all your research, was there cause even in the book you talk about there's lines and was there anything in your research you came across that you're like, I can't put this in the book. Like I, I, or, or I shouldn't put this in the book. Did that ever come up? Or is everything you found you didn't hesitate. Everything was fair game. <clears throat> and if there was something you came across that you left out, can you share it with
1: us on the pod today? <laughs> <laughs> um I don't think there's anything I came across that I would have left out for the reason of being it's too far because even if you know there are some things that I there are things that I personally feel do cross a line and like you know for, I I mean I I think that even like that that statement is kind of, that I just made is kind of it's not problematic but it's like there's no such thing as a line, right? Like, sure. the, like there's no objective singular line. Your line will be different than my line, even if we both agree there is a line. And then someone else, like Brian Cox or Kevin Garnett, will say, "Well, there's no line because that's the whole point. I want to say something that's going to, you know, cut so deep that you're going to have no choice but to pay attention to it." Um, so I don't think there's anything like that. I would, I mean, there's certain things that I like wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable printing personally, you know, like you know, racial slurs, um like I sure. wouldn't want to, you know, put that in there. Um but I also would say that again in my my mind that's not trash talk anymore, right? Like get, sure. there's a, when you cross a certain when you cross a certain threshold you know, it becomes something closer to pure abuse, right? And this is like, you know, the, the, the an easy example here right, is when Jackie Robinson broke the color line, and you know, were, you know, you, you know opposing players would say that they were using racism as a vector for bench jockey, right? For yep. which is a you know trash talk by another name, um, but to my mind, they were using bench jockeying as a vector for racism, right? And it was just like, and and sort of leaning on these, you know, wider systems of power and oppression that, you know, I I feel like have material consequence or could have material consequence. Um, I think, you know, but when it comes down to things like the lion or what is too far, or what you can or can't say, you know, the question, the sort of follow-up question is always like, what are you willing to say? Like what kind of person are you willing to be? And like regardless of what is or isn't allowed? Like I think that's kind of like the moral question is like, what are you willing to say? And then like what at, at what cost? Like, what is the cost of the thing you're willing to say? Because even if everything is fair game, right? And, you know, and all and all is allowed on on, on the field of play. Um, you know, to get inside your opponent's head. It's like, are you willing to be the type of guy that, you know, who would say the N-word or something extremely homophobic or derogatory to someone, right? Because like, even if, even if what, even if the things you say on the field, like quote unquote, stay on the field and like, nobody's going to punch you in the face afterwards, you're still a person who said that thing. And like, that is, that has to stay with you on some like deep ethical level, you know, that is part of your character as a person. And, yeah, and, and I oh, I'm sorry, go. Keep no, going. I was just gonna say, Brian Cox was obvious to bring it home to, it, Brian Cox was obviously willing to go like to extreme lengths, both you know, in terms of like the things he was willing to say, but also the things that he was willing to put himself through psychologically in order to get worked up. And he needed to play at a really high level. He believed he needed to play at this extreme high level. There's a psychological model to explain that, which I won't, which I know you 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 read about, but I won't go to get too nerdy on it right here. But I, but like, there's also other ways to work yourself up into these sort of peak performance states, like these guys who want to work themselves into a frenzy you don't have to necessarily imagine that you're being sold into slavery or that somebody raped your wife, you know, because that, you know, you know, out of necessity creates more of an anger state where, you know, you make you might be more impulsive. You make might, might have uh less sound decision-making and, and some folks may have anger as a component of their peak performance state. But again, it's like, what are you willing, what are you, where are you willing to go? What price are you willing to pay for it? Are sort of interesting ones. Um, And I think, you know, Brian Cox obviously was willing, willing to pay pretty dearly. And his wife even said, you know, in interviews that like, she sort of, uh, uh, you know, she couldn't believe that he would say the thing she would hear, you know, and like, how, like, how can you possibly go to these lengths? And he's just like, that's, that's who I am. That's who I need to be.
0: Yeah. And all I was going to say is, you know, I, the the whole line thing is there a line? Like I was actually surprised. Like Warren Sapp you had in the book, who I always think is one of the nastier players playing in the NFL in recent memory in terms of on the field stuff. He's you know he seemed to have a line. He I think he said he didn't mention family. He didn't mention how much money you made, which seems like fair game. But he didn't mention that um, people's moms. Um, and I think there was one more thing, but but again, I he even had a line, and and your he kids. would be someone I imagine wouldn't kids. Yeah, kids yeah. that seemed to be a universal one. Like you don't talk about people's kids, which seems more than more than fair. <laughs> um okay, so, I hope I'm not stepping on anything here, but I gotta ask because this just this seems obvious to me, but maybe it's not so obvious. Um, your book here's about trash talk, and while I was reading it, You know, a lot of the stories you were saying, I was familiar with, right? Especially when it came to basketball or Muhammad Ali, like Reggie Miller talking trash, KG, Gary Payne. I grew up watching this. So when you were talking about some of these stories, I could, in my head, picture it. But all I could think of, because I went to YouTube following many times reading your book, I was like, let me look some of this stuff up. I'm like, I kind of forgot John Starks and Reggie Miller going, let me watch this or Muhammad Ali. I just feel like there's like a Netflix documentary waiting here to uh, be adapted from your book. Um, I I just feel like that is a natural thing. Trash talk. It's one thing to read it, but the other to hear the actual person say it, to show clips from it, to have the psychologist, you know, you pop in and explain what's going on. Is that anywhere on the horizon? Because that, that seems to me like a slam dunk for Netflix here, a a trash talk
1: doc. I'm certainly uh, on board for that. And I, I mean, I, I would say, you know, there there's a possibility of something happening, you know, in that direction. I, I, very early stages, certainly no uh, no platforms attached or anything, you know, no Netflixes. But I agree with you completely. You know, I would, I mean, I wish if all if I could have written a book like out of you know the Harry Potter universe where you could like stop and like click on something and like you know watch a video, I would have loved to have to have done that. But yeah, and I, you know. You know, I benefited, you know, from or, or just, or frankly, just got the pleasure of having these interviews and getting to hear, you know, these men and women who are experts in their field, whether that field is psychology, linguistics, or talking shit as athletes. Um, you know, tell me these stories and hearing it from the their voices is a, is really really terrific. And you know, I certainly you know tried my best to you know to convey you know, that energy and that attitude where I could, but, but yeah, I would love for, I would love for some sort of adaptation, uh, you know, adaptation to come, to come from this. Uh, and you know what, Jim, while we're, while we're on it, I, I feel like, because I didn't, I didn't give you an answer to like what wasn't in the book, you know, that maybe was crossing too far, but I, but let me give you a couple of stories that I think you might appreciate that weren't in the book, you and, sure. and your listeners. Okay. So one is, I think, and I th- this is also, I think, a great example of like line drawing. This is a line that cracks me up when I heard it, but I think you have to understand sort of like the context of the time. So Hank Greenberg, all-time great uh, Jewish slugger in baseball. So mm-hmm. guys would would uh, heckle him, bench jockey him by yelling to the pitcher. They would say, they would say, throw him a pork chop. He'll never hit it. And I think that's hilarious. <laughs> but when you think about it within the context of like you know you know uh, the biases of the time, perhaps less funny. I'm reading it. You know, when I'm reading it in the 2020s, um, I was able to to laugh about that one. Uh, I also think that one of the one of the funniest one of the funniest stories uh, that I, I I regret more than anything that I couldn't get in there. Uh, and this isn't line crossing. This is just like I think a hilarious story. Is Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson, okay? Great, Gabby. I think you know, not he. He's not malicious in any way. There's a lot of like playful antagonism to his game, so he would talk a lot to his own teammates, to his quarterback, you know, to his coaches because you know, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease sort of thing. And so I heard a story from one of his former teammates that he would call his offensive coordinator at three o'clock in the morning. And the, the OC would pick up the phone and say, hello, Chad, what do you want? And Chad would just say, I'm open, and hang up the phone. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> I've heard that one. That, oh, you Chad, did? Chad, oh, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard that one, actually. But Chad, first of all, as you said, Chad ta- like wouldn't stop talking, but – always seemed very like it wasn't malicious or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Um. And you even, I think, had in the store like, I think there was a part, maybe, I don't think I'm making this up. He, I think Chad was commenting on Ian McGregor where Ian McGregor, he's like, Ian McGregor is actually Connor. like Con- mean. Con- like he yeah. He, he, yeah, he's mean. Uh.
1: Yeah.
0: Or Conor McGregor, Ian McGregor, yeah. actor. Um, <laughs> yeah. Conor McGregor, he's like, no, he's just like mean. Like, that's a nasty dude. That's not even fun. Yeah. Um, but no, I actually had heard that chat. I don't know when I heard it, but I have heard that story.
1: It's uh, a great, my, it's enough. a great
0: story for my listeners.
1: Yeah, no, it is. Well, i sorry, sorry to have let you down there. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um,
0: okay, so there's one last thing, Rafi. I want to do before before we get you out of here. Um, so uh, on this podcast and, and and on Twitter, and I'm a big big Rushmore guy. Love mm. building Rushmores. I will build Rushmores of you know the best baseball players, but also the best you know breakfast foods. Like we we do everything here. Um, this one seems obvious to me, though. Uh, a, tr- a trash talk Rushmore. Yeah. And I don't know if we would build this. You know, I don't know if there's mountains close to close to Oakland for Gary Payne to pay, pay tribute to his trash talk or Louisville to, to pay homage to Ali. But we're going to build a Rushmore somewhere. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little draft. Um, we'll go back and forth. we we'll each pick four people. We can't pick the same people. Mm-hmm. We're going to see what we end up on. And then, you know, when this episode comes out, I'm going to throw it up on Twitter and we're going to see who, who won the, the trash-talking draft. So, you know, I, I'm probably going to stick to athletes. Robbie, you, you interviewed all kinds of people. You can put whoever you want on this. But if we were building a trash-talk Rushmore and we each got four, I'm going to give you the first pick as my guess and then I'll go and then you're go. Who would your first
1: overall selection be? So in your head, who's the best trash-talker of all time? Okay. It's a no-brainer. And, but and I'll also say that if you want to take the next two and you want to go snake draft, that that's cool. We too, we could.
0: I, I yeah. don't know. I, I feel like this alone fairway is just two people, but we, yeah. we can do that.
1: Okay. Well I I have to go with Muhammad Ali. There's really yeah. it it's the only it's the only answer. Muhammad Ali is the person who brought sort of modern, you know dozens inflected trash talk, meaning like the sort of the trash talk that we understand as being trash talk within the United States specifically to, you know, to popular awareness and sort of to the world at large. That, and in addition to that, he also used trash talk in basically all of its various functionalities, right? Whereas so many people might be like a great self-motivator or a great pest or, you know, a great hype man or, you know, self promoter. Ali did all of it, right? He he talked himself he talked himself into fights that folks didn't think he deserved. He talked you into the arena by getting you to interested in his fight. He talked to get into guys' heads. He also talked to you know to pump himself up. So Ali, I think, is number one. All right, we're just gonna
0: go one one. I feel bagging two people in a row, so I'm <laughs> going. So Ali was my number one, um, and again, I think that's I think that's pretty universal. Not only is like a, a pioneer of it, but Maybe, like, he would, like, I actually don't, I can't imagine him in today, like, with Twitter and the way you can, you know, promote a brand, Uh, Ali, how big, how insane that would be, his presence would be there, because he did all that before all that existed, and we still talk about it today. Um, Ali is a clear number one, Uh, there's no, there's no arguing on my end here. I'm I'm going Gary Payton, number two, Um, you know, I've always felt, as a big basketball fan... In my head, he's the best trash talker I've ever seen. He trash talked Jordan, one of the few to actually talk back at Jordan. And I don't want to say get in Jordan's head, but, you know, in the 96 finals, when they threw pain on Jordan, the, the tides kind of changed and he never stops chirping. He never backed down. Um, and your book pays a good, you know, deal of, of pages to him as you should. And I will say one of the things that cracked me up in the book that I didn't know is you were talking about pain and how... He would sometimes talk to refs before a game and ask them to give him a technical, like like ask him so it could get him like into the game. Like in, in like tee me up later so I get pumped up. I had never heard that before. That seems on on, on on point. And then it's so funny that the ref was like, you know, you don't really have to ask me. I'm probably gonna tee you up anyway, or something like that. So uh, Gary Payne, um, in in my head, he's the number one basketball trash talker of all time. Um, you paid great, you know, homage to him in the book. You interviewed him. He's my number one pick.
1: So I got Payne Ali are off the board. You're up next. Great pick. Uh All right, I'm going to stick with uh with basketball here and I'll go to my own personal uh, you know, nemesis as a as a Knicks fan of the 1990s and that's Reggie Miller. Uh you know, Reggie was a a true pest. <laughs> and you know, it's it's one thing, you know, to get under guy's skin. It's one thing, you know, to succeed against them, but to like make you hate him with such, you know, uh, unyielding vitriol. Uh, I think it was a real, a real testament to, you know, just who, who Reggie was as a player. And also, frankly, as a person, as I kind of talk about in the book that I I, I think actually like understanding him as like a sibling, you know, really kind of informs like who he is as a player. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say filling out the pest category for me uh, will be, will be Reggie. It could have been someone else. I won't throw a name be, because I don't want to steal anyone from you, but uh, I'll give that one to Reggie. Yeah. I, I-
0: It's a great pick. I mean, Reggie Miller, you could say, has the most famous, like, uh, of all time. Like, We can say Gary Payne's the best trash talker, but if I was pointing to one moment, everyone knows the Reggie Miller-Spike Lee situation, like the choking emotion. Everyone knows that. I mean, they almost built a whole 30 for 30 documentary around just that moment. So one of the more famous trash talkers... And then again, I'm a Chicago Bulls guy. And growing up as a kid, we, we hated Reggie Miller. And I've done a 180. Now I, I I appreciate Reggie Miller's game so much. But as a kid, I hated this guy. I absolutely despise Reggie Miller. He's come full circle. I'm on board with Reggie Miller now. So uh, yeah. great pick. So number two, I'm actually going to, I, I think, out of the main sports, it might have got the, the least play. And I think that's fair. But I'm going to do a baseball player. Um, I'm going back a bit. Satchel uh, Page, um, of course, the great Negro League pitcher, also made into the majors when he was in his 40s, threw three shutout innings as a 50 year old. Satchel uh, Page, like, if you really look at it, trash talk from not just like what he's, I guess, from like a, a mean like perspective, like he's just an asshole, but more like, you know, telling his infield to, to move in or having his... There, there's stories that he told the whole defense to sit down because he was going to strike out the side or he walks everyone so he can strike, you know, out the side. Or th- this guy, the 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 cockiness level, the showmanship, the, um you know, the trash talking was kind of... I don't feel like as mean as some of these other players or, or directed, but if you really think about it, I mean, this guy maybe talked the most shit out of anyone. And that was... Part of his game, whether it was you know in the pros and Negro Leagues, barnstorming, um, and he could back it up. I mean, he's one of the most talented pitchers of all time. You you pay some space to him in the book as you definitely should. Uh, but Satchel Paige to me, one of the best trash talkers of all time. Uh, he has to be there again. Maybe one of the more friendly ones, but in the same token, it wasn't really friendly if you really kind of dive into the psyche of it.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not. It's not friendly when you think about what's at stake when you're when you're, you're saying that you can't handle what I'm about to give you. And satchel page is a great pick. And satchel page, so satchel page for me fills that category. And I'll take. I could probably actually wait on this guy because I bet you won't take him next because you filled this category. Well, if you might not be doing the same categories as I am, but satchel page is the guy it's the challenge. Like he's telling you yes. what's going to happen and then he's going to do it. He's going to do it to me. He's saying my best is better than your best. So like, I just want to get to my best. Cause then you don't stand a chance. And so it was a way to give himself little challenges as a way to get inside someone's head and someone who did that more recent vintage and it'll be another basketball player, but it's Larry bird. And ah, yeah. I want Larry. <laughs> so, yeah. Larry, you great know, Larry, pick. Larry Bird, he could be a little bit, uh, you know, he could be demeaning, you know, he could say some things to get in your head. It might be, you know, it might just be, frankly, that like he's quoting your stats back at you, which is what he did to famously to Julius Irving that got Dr. J to attack him on the court. You know, so, you know, we, you know, some people I feel like, you know, think about Larry Bird in this sort of like soft, fuzzy light. And maybe it's just because he was a white guy playing in the 80s and 90s but larry bird you know could be vicious on the court vicious with his talk and just like satchel page he would tell you what was coming and then he would do it to you anyway and i think there's something even if even if you do it in a friendly way like satchel page might have there's something almost more demeaning about that than anything which is saying i am better than you and there's nothing you can do about it and so so yeah larry bird will, will be number 3 for me
0: yeah that's, a, that's an excellent choice. Um, Larry Bird was coming up a lot again because the three-point competition just happened. Yeah. And, of course, he's famously looks down the row. Who's going to finish second? Yep. Um, that was going to be my next pick, actually. But uh, that's okay because it allows me to pick someone that my my Chicago uh, friends and, and family would never forgive me if I didn't. And, and, honestly, should have been the first pick for me. But it, it's Michael Jordan, um, you know, I'm a Chicago guy. I grew up idolizing Jordan. Um, as I got older, I began to understand Jordan wasn't perfect by any means and that he could be quite uh, quite intense on, on the court. Um, and then again, of course, when the during COVID, when the last dance documentary came out, if you didn't know everything about Michael Jordan, you then learned, you know, the insane competitor he was, um, the amount of trash talking and jawing he did on the court. He didn't back down from anyone. Kobe Bryant, another notorious trash talker, basically modeled that after Jordan. And, and Bryant, of course, was very known as being standoffish with a lot of his teammates as well and could be an asshole on the court as well. Um, you know, the thing with Jordan, though, like absolute competitor, trash talker, but like even within his own team, you talk about this a little in the book, like there's trash talking and then there's being a bully. And I think Jordan really hugged that line quite a bit um, because he did tend to bully I would say a a number of teammates and you either could respond to that or you had to get off the team and there's you know famous stories like Steve Kerr responded fine to that and he got punched in the face by Jordan but then Jordan respected him after that and then there was plenty of teammates Jordan played with that just couldn't couldn't handle it and I think a lot of people think you know when Jordan played for the Wizards Kwame Brown almost his career was ruined because Jordan was so hard on him he couldn't take it so jordan's on there he's one of the best trash talkers of all time but also really towed that line between trash talking and bullying which which is tough sometimes and i think you did a really good job in the book kind of kind of spelling that out
1: yeah or or or, or, or hugging the line even just going over it often and then just sort of jumping back you know on the yeah. right side but yeah you know it's it's interesting i had i i spoke to uh um you know some you know, folks in the sports world and, and sports psychology folks who brought up guys like Jordan and Kobe as examples of, you know, like that is, that it like tra- talking trash is a leadership tool in that way. And it's a way to sort of get the most out of your teammates, potentially. It's a way to negotiate social spaces like locker rooms, but it's also fair to ask, and I know I'm going a little bit away from the, off topic or a little tangent here. Is it, it's fair to ask if like Shouldn't you have other tools in your toolbox too? like if that's the only way you know how to lead, which is either like, you know, keep up and I'll punch you in the face for it or, you know, or just cower in the corner Um, like maybe you're also losing a lot of teammates along the way. Right. Maybe there's a lot of guys who could have helped you, you know, achieve more or the same, but like you could have done it in a in a healthier way. so yeah, I but Jordan, Jordan was Jordan was terrific, and obviously Kobe modeled himself completely after him from a leadership perspective. <laughs> uh, All right, your last, your
0: last one. You got one more pick. You right now. You got Ali, you got Bird, and you got Miller. That's a pretty stack
1: lineup there. Pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, I kind of want to g- just not do basketball because I already have two that's basketball fair. guys, um, which is going to leave me three guys to choose from in my mind. One's a soccer player. Well, four, a soccer player, a professional wrestler, a mixed martial artist, and a hockey player. And the least known of all of them is probably uh, the soccer player. So I'll probably lose the poll if I go with the soccer player here. So I'm wondering how much I should I should just go elsewhere. Um, I do love the soccer player, but you know what? For the purposes of this and just whoring myself out for this Twitter poll, um, I I'm going to say Conor McGregor, and I okay. hate myself for saying it um, because he it's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of a, a duplication. It's a little bit redundant with Ali because he uh, you know he uses it in so much so many of the same ways. Um, but Conor really brought you know in the same way that Josh Dempsey like introduced trash talk to the UFC into the world of MMA. Connor made it a mainstay. Like he understood trash talk. I mean, intuitively on the psychological level. And you can see that with some of the fights and some of the ways that some of his fights turned out, like beating guys in 13 seconds, um, you know, getting them so on tilt and so off their game. In addition to also just like drawing eyeballs and, you know, becoming a, a millionaire many times over. Um, he certainly has his uh, complications as a human being, and I think is uh, maybe not to be celebrated uh, in, in, in some of the ways that he used his trash talk. But if we're making a true Rushmore, I feel like he probably has a place on it.
0: I, I think that's completely fair. So for my last pick, um, I might be going with the hockey player you were going with. I assume it is because uh, I read your book and I didn't know much about this man, and now I know a ton that's uh hockey player sean avery yeah. um so so my listeners know this uh, i do not know much about hockey I, I i grew up in chicago i have the blackhawks here that was just not a part of my uh household growing up we we the hockey games weren't on tv when i was a kid i wasn't allowed to play hockey uh, i was a, a football baseball basketball household and to this day i appreciate hockey i enjoy watching playoff hockey I just don't know it that well. And Sean Avery is someone I wasn't, I knew that name, but I wasn't too familiar with his game or his trash talk game here. And after reading your book, I am well-versed in Sean <laughs> Avery now. He seems like an absolute just menace out there. And another guy I think probably is really crossing the line between bully and trash talking. Um, but but again, a, a good part of your book was dedicated to him at times. He came up throughout um, It it seems like I was doing research on him afterward. It seems like universally thought of as one of the biggest, you know, because he's an enforcer and there's plenty of those in the NHL, but from a trash talking standpoint, being kind of a controversial figure, um, honestly, he seems like the Dennis Rodman of the NHL. Um, I'm going to put Sean Avery on here. And, And again, trash talking and hockey, to me, go pretty hand in hand. So I feel like a hockey player needs to be on here. So Sean Avery, if you would ask me a week ago, Ravi, there's no way he'd be even near here. I would have probably oh, yeah. went Kobe, Deion Sanders, even someone like Ray Lewis, uh, Warren Sapp. Uh, but I'm going to go Sean Avery, th- thanks to your book. So that's going to round out my my top four. Great pick. Great pick. Yeah. All right. So just for the listeners, one more time, and again, I'm going to throw this up on Twitter, uh, but our, our, our Rushmore's for trash talking. Uh, Ravi went with Muhammad Ali. Conor McGregor, not Ian McGregor, Conor McGregor, Reggie Miller, Larry Bird. And then mine is, is, is a little basketball heavy, but it's, it's, it's Gary Payton. It's Michael Jordan, uh, Satchel Page, and then Sean Avery. So, and again, this is interesting too. You know, I, I, my four, I have three hall of famers and, and Sean Avery. And then, you know, Muhammad Ali boxing hall of fame, of course, Larry Bird, Reggie Miller basketball hall of fame. Um, I have no idea if there's a UFC Hall of Fame. I'm sure there is, or they're making one, but I'm sure McGregor will get in there one day. But I thought this throughout the whole book, right, Ravi? I mean, not everyone you mentioned in the book was a great player, um, but most of them kind of are. And, you know, that could be a couple things, right? It's, you know, we only care about the greats that talk trash. We don't care about the role players that were trash talkers. And maybe that's one thing, but I think it's also, you know, If you're not that good in your profession, it's kind of weird to talk trash sometimes. Sometimes you're just kind of happy to be there. But I don't think I should be shocked by the correlation between greatness and trash talking. But I kind of was putting that together pretty early. Like Most of these people we're talking about are are not just good athletes. They're some of the best to ever play the game. And our Rushmore's really reflect that as well.
1: Yeah and I I think I think that makes sense especially for the Rushmore but I think it's also we should give our flowers to the guys who will talk shit no matter what right like the <laughs> you know, the, the the Patrick Beverleys right the uh yes you know the guy you know uh, I mean there was I think there was a story today or yesterday in the athletic about uh, was it is it uh, I'll probably mispronounce his name but Brandon Podzinski the uh yeah, you know Warriors rookie yeah, yeah but that how how he's been talking crap since the moment he showed up to training camp or how Sam Cassell when he showed up as a rookie he was talking talking shit to his Rockets teammates right from the beginning. And I think and even in obviously Sam Cassell, not a Hall of Famer, but went on to have a tremendous career. Patrick Beverly, role player, you know, uh, a career role player. But I mean, I think there's something to be said for those guys who can, you know, bring that kind of energy for one thing, but also who know themselves and know their own games well enough that they can play with that kind of aggression, uh, that they can put the challenge to other people because I think it makes it harder mentally for other folks to go against them. I mean, I would never want to play basketball against Patrick Beverly. And and Ravi, do you think um,
0: do you think Kevin Garnett would be upset if he found out he wasn't making either of our Rushmores?
1: You know, it's I mean, perhaps I mean he was a close cut. You know, yeah. I I thought about I thought about Dusty Roads maybe getting you know getting a, oh, okay you know a just like an all time great talker in there. Um, There's some close cuts, but, you know, ultimately, ultimately there can only be four or or eight as it were. And, (laughs) and you know what, I, 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 I suppose I can't uh, say that I have a morality clause if I'm letting Conor McGregor into the, into the ring. But, uh, but KG was definitely someone who, uh, you know, was, was pretty well known, or at least, you know, has been frequently alleged (laughs) to have been a line crosser. And so I think it's, you know, I got to make sure there's a little bit of balance in the locker room, you know, when we, or when we meet up for pizza and beer at the Rushmore and All right,
0: Ravi. So um, before we get you out of here, uh, I want to give you a second. Where can people find you? Where can people find your book? Uh, I'm going to turn over to you for a bit here. Plug whatever you want.
1: Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, definitely. The main thing uh, I'm plugging is just the book, Trash Talk, the only book about destroying your rivals. That isn't total garbage. Because, of course, you know, if you're going to write a book about trash talk, then your book itself needs to talk some trash. Um, you can find it online, you know, your typical places like, you know, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. But you can also, of course, order it through local bookshops or bookshop.org. Um, and I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, uh, Rafi underscore Kohan. I'm also on Instagram, cohanimal uh, I'm also on the Chess.com app. <laughs> Feel free to find me there as well ravi thank you so much this was a blast um everyone go check
0: out this book you are gonna have a great time with Ravi, thank you so much i i'm hoping down the line i'm flipping through netflix or something and i come across a trash talk doc because i know you're gonna have to be a part of that but thank you so much uh have a great
1: rest of your week yeah you too man thanks for having me this is a lot of fun
0: Oh, I want to thank uh, Ralphie again for coming on the podcast today. That was a ton of fun. I uh, did not think I would be reading a book about Trash Talk this year, but I did. It was just as entertaining as I thought it, I, it would be. And I, I learned a ton. Um, I, I, I really did. Uh, so go check that out. Super fun read. That's all we have for you today. Uh, so if you don't already, please follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're really to listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Pod of Fame. If you've done all that, you have done your homework. We will be back on Friday with a Hall of Fame Market Watch episode. So I hope you have a great week and we will talk to you on Friday. Take care.
1: When you go by you fail